Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. I am Truth Light, and this is the Light of Truth. And uh, we just try to shine the light on some things that maybe maybe people forget to look at in their day-to-day life or you've never thought to look at. And uh, And so we're just going to hopefully help you look at some new things in a new perspective. And uh, that's just kind of the goal of this show. So we do have uh, call-in lines open. So you can call in at 347-677-1443 and uh, go ahead and give me any questions you have or comments or any such such silliness. And I will warn you that I am still on my first cup of coffee this morning. This show is very much uh, very laid back and relaxed and just, first thing in the morning, <clears throat> and uh, just us talking over coffee and starting our day together. So uh, we are on Pacific time, so I know some of you are a little later in your day, and so you can just pretend that you're just starting your day over again, and that'll be lovely. So we will probably have a guest uh, today, um, one of my former teachers and mentors, and still to this day is one of my confidants, uh, Robert Bowerly, who... Uh, We'll be uh, discussing the personal responsibility that goes along with spiritual freedom. So how do you access spiritual freedom? And, you know, with any freedom comes responsibility. So <clears throat> we're going to uh, to welcome him once he gets here. And uh, he's calling from the Orlando, Florida area where I grew up. And I've known Robert, Oh, good grief. I met him when my youngest son was six weeks old, and he's about to turn 23. So we've known each other quite some time. And and uh, Robert is an amazing uh, amazing mentor and coach, and, and uh, very blessed to have had him along with, along with the people that he taught with and whatnot. And uh, so anyway, when he comes in, we will welcome him with open ears and open minds, I hope. And uh, so... What is spiritual freedom? I'm going to go ahead and just jump in on the topic, and then when when Robert joins us, we'll hear from him as well. And uh, so spiritual freedom really is just letting go of that, uh, in my opinion, it's letting go of that oppression that's often sort of put upon people uh, by the church and that sort of thing. And not the church is bad. Please don't start slamming me because I said church was bad because I didn't say that. But we all know that there are certain certain states of consciousness and certain concepts that are put on people by churches that perhaps don't embrace the whole you are a free spirit kind of theory, right? So we come in as a free spirit. We have free will. That's what that's a big deal, even in that in that their book that they all talk about, right? <laughs> so if free will is such a big thing and we come in um, really really just as beautiful, pure light for the most part. I mean, we have baggage and karma and whatever, but for the most part, we're um, this beautiful light. So how do we get to the point where we feel like that beautiful light all the time? How do we get back to that that place that we were in when we were first born or before in my uh, in my work in Sedona one of the things i do is called vibrational repatterning and uh, i see robert has joined us so robert if you'll just press 1 to speak with the host then uh, i'll be able to pull you over you can just press 1 at any time um oh so um yes so I totally lost where I was. See what happens when I only have one cup of coffee. Only one cup of coffee. So, ah, yes, how do we get back to that free will and spirit we were when we came in? So what happens through life is we're taught all these concepts and all these different things and the way we think and the way we see things and the way we feel about things. We're taught these things, right? We're taught that when somebody crosses you in business that, you know, it's... uh it's time to get back at them and we're taught all these different concepts and uh and so it's getting to the heart of who we are, what we want and how do we pursue that. And so 
Having said that, I'm going to go ahead and pull Robert over now, and uh, I want you all to welcome Robert Bowerly, and he's going to be my guest today, and we're just going to chat about responsibility and spiritual freedom, and and, uh, who knows where it'll go, what direction we'll see, because it's always fun when we get together and chat. So, Robert, hi, thanks for joining us. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. (laughs) So... I'm so glad you decided to come on and do this with me today because, you know, I mean, I don't know if you realize what an influence you've been in my life, but I know my oldest son probably wouldn't have made it through without you because I don't know that I would have handled it in the most evolved way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what is it that, you know, go ahead and, and talk to us about, um, just some of the insights, you know, really kind of, it's such a big, it's such a big topic that would just kind of touch on whatever comes up and have fun with it. And then there's always time for another show, another time if there's more. Um, so what would you like to share with us about spiritual freedom and responsibility that comes with it and that kind of thing? What's been on your mind? First, I'd like to start out with just uh, the bare simplicity of Something that I know that I came into the awareness of a long time ago is that there was more than just this physical dimension. I know we all know that, uh, but a lot of people maybe don't. They're not aware of it. And there's that physical dimension, our physical body, our physical senses pick up on. And then there's that, what I would call the spiritual dimension. And it's amazing that, uh, to me now anyway, that a lot of people feel that, oh, isn't that a great big phenomenon? Isn't that interesting? So they're not really awakened to it in themselves yet. And they have that feeling that there are certain people that are special that have that ability to touch into it. And 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 we call them psychics and whatever. And, oh, gosh, you know, they're, they're just special. I could never do that. And then comes eventually the awareness, that awakening that, you know, I bet I can. I just need to find out how. And taking that responsibility for wanting to learn how to do that. And as I got that feeling, it was amazing. Within a month or so, there were people there that I ran into who were able to show me how to tap into the spiritual dimension within myself. And uh, from there, it just went on to learning how to work with my spiritual guides, which I know is one thing that you show uh, people how to do as well in some of your programs. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about it's all about learning how to do it on your own, you know, so that yeah. you don't need it it really is just a natural part of us. It's just that what I find in my teachings is that people and I'm sure you ran into this too, people expect it to be a certain way. They expect it to be like in the movies or something. They don't expect it to be so simple and natural and they're almost disappointed <laughs> when they find out. It's so funny. <laughs> Because they're almost disappointed when they find out, oh, you mean I've been doing this all along? It's not these big fireworks and movie-worthy kind of things. No, it's just a part of your nature, you know? And so then the disappointment goes away once they start seeing all the cool things they can do now. But it's understanding how you perceive, because everybody perceives a little bit differently. So it's kind of funny to to watch the people when they realize that, Oh well, I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> That's it. It's like it, it is so simple. It's 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 too easy. And they they talk about it sometimes as like that still small voice within. Well, there's our like our intellect, our natural sort of like thinking mind, and then there's our emotions, which people think, well, that's our feelings. That's how you tap into your uh, the spiritual part of yourself. But that's not what I learned. Is that my emotions are like the reactions the trained reactions of my intellect to things in life. And that my true feelings, I would call it, are that real spiritual part of me. And once I learned how to tune into that, I realized that, you know, there is no separation between the spiritual and the physical. It's just my being aware of it. And the more I got into it, as I know you found too, it's not that it's just they, they intersect, it's that they overlap and they intertwine. And it's so beautiful because it's, it's there for us 24-7 and the key, and simple little keys like learning how to just be able to stop and relax. There are different techniques and taking deep breaths and using little affirmations to refocus and go back in and kind of like center 
get quiet on the inside enough so look the intellect you know thank you it's like telling your intellect thank you for sharing you can stand aside for a moment and just listen and amazing you know what comes through either from you know my own contact with spirit or or like our contact with our spiritual guides when you're really aware of that <clears throat> and uh, it's amazing how the solutions just come so it really is and that's personal yeah so and can you imagine thing of it. can you imagine anyway. life without that? Uh not anymore, no. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Once in a while once in a while I get a little, you know, uh sidetracked and I start to feel like I'm, you know, closed into a corner for a few minutes or an hour or more and I go, wait a minute, <sighs> remember who I am, remember what I know, let's get back to it. And things start to come back out again. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine not having it anymore. Uh, I, I'm working with some friends and people I work with that, that don't have that clear connection, and I can see them get off track. And they, they wonder why I'm able to, uh, in the middle of all the, uh, the kind of like, excuse my French, but I guess it's ancient Celtic, the shit that happens, right. you know, why I'm able to kind of like step back and then all of a sudden... Hey guys, why don't we try this over here? Huh? Oh, okay, you know. And uh and not that other people can't do that, but uh it's like it's like in the when I was a kid there was a thing called a roly poly and it was a punching bag, it looked like a person. I don't know if they still sell them. And it was way right. in the bottom, you blew it up and you could punch it and we go whoo, whoo, and it would come back up. Well that's kind of what this is. It's kinda of like we get hit by, you know, the stuff that happens around us in life and emotional issues. And it's one thing to get hit by it and then come back, you know, up to center again and come back on balance again. And that gets easier and easier. And it is a matter of personal responsibility of, of uh, you know, like practicing. Because the more you do it, the easier, the better it gets. Like well, anything. and don't you find, too, we talk about this often on this show, don't you find, too, that part of, you know, we can say all day long that it's it's really just making time to take, you know, get back to center and clear your energy. Mm-hmm. And But is it part of the personal responsibility also what you put into your energy field? In other words, what people you're around, what TV shows you Not watch, cool. what movies you watch, you know, that also is a part of the personal responsibility because you you're creating a level of consciousness that allows you to connect with these ascended beings because you know we although we talk with ours all the time and they're just kind of part of the family our our angels because these spirit gods you know and I want to clarify because I've found since being in this quote psychic field right now that I've kind of gone into this field I found that a lot of people refer to spirit guides and they're actually talking about something in the astral plane that guides them. And so Mm, I want to clarify that when we talk about spirit guides, we're talking about on the angelic realm, these are like what they talk about is your guardian angels. This is your angelic team that's here to guide you. And Mm, so they mm, are of the angel realm. They're Christ consciousness or above. I always try to clarify that because they're, is a big school of people out there <clears throat> who um, who actually tap into beings in the astral plane, and they, in their opinion, these are ascended beings that are guiding them. And so that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking uh, about actual angelic realm. We want to clarify that. But having yeah. clarified that, then, you know, I think yes. that we've got to keep our, our vibration to a certain point where, and a lot of that is, you know what, laughing a lot loving a lot, enjoying life a lot, that helps keep your vibration high. And so it's not all super serious stuff, you know. But um, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't you say that's part of the personal responsibility is keeping your vibration at a high enough level so that Absolutely. the communication can be clear? Absolutely. It's consciously taking what we call personal responsibility and getting into the habit pattern more and more of coming back to realizing the things I... I can hear all kinds of things coming at me all day. The point is, what is it do I filter out and what is it do I let in? And I realize that the things that will help me and help me to move forward in life and benefit me are my business, and the things that don't, 
I can let them bounce off because that's really not my business. It's almost like learning what's my business and what's not. It's like uh, one thing somebody pointed out to me a long time ago, I'm stuck with one of those little bits of, I call it my hip pocket tools, of, you know, <laughs> things, you know, stuff that works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the point is, if somebody else has a negative opinion of me, there's a big one that rocks people all the time. And somebody comes up with a real negative opinion towards you, you can tell that they have one, and they've developed it somehow. And And the point is, whether they share it with you or not, you feel it. And if you take it on and get worried about it and get all cranked up on the inside, then it's like if I do that, then my energy is off into either, you know, mental and emotional combat or, you know, you know, and, you know like that, that kind of thing. Instead of saying, and this is what somebody, you know, showed me, saying, well, somebody else's opinion of me is really only their business. It's not even my business because it's happening on in their own heads. Now, if it comes out their mouths and over towards me, well, you know, thank you for sharing, but I don't really need that. Now, if it's something that benefits me, well, great. I can take right. it in, but if it's not, right. it's not even my business. And that's part of my personal responsibility to recognize that. You know, that's one way of looking at it, too. Well, and I think, too, um, you know, concerning that, I think a lot of times people are much more psychically sensitive than they realize. And mm-hmm. so what's happening is they're empathically yes. feeling that, and so they're taking it on because they're feeling it. It must be theirs, Right. And in reality, it's not. So learning to de- to decide what is what is truly your feeling. You know, if you're feeling, you know, our teacher, right, taught us, you know, a thought for every feeling and a feeling for every thought. And so mm-hmm. I've used that to this day. I hear that in my head. And, uh, and so if I start feeling things, like uh, like writing myself down or feeling insecure in a situation when I'm typically very secure, I can stop and kind of do that check. Is there a thought for every feeling and a feeling for every thought? And if not, then I'm feeling something empathically, but there's no real thought to go with it. And so it's not mine. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah. I can look around and go, oh, okay, so this person has a problem with me. And does that really matter to me? And like mm-hmm. you said, if it's, if it's not something that's come out between us, then it's not my business. So I think, you know, that's a really important part to um, to go along with what you're saying because sometimes, you know, even if you don't realize you're psychic, you are. It's just a part of life. And so how are you perceiving? Absolutely. If you're perceiving empathically, you're feeling what's going on around you, and there's just no no logic to go with it. So we tend to assign logic to it. Because that's what the mind does. One little, one little thing is that just occurring while you're talking is like, if I do pick up on the the feelings of the people around me, and there's some kind of tension, then I can respond by you know, uh, smile at them, offer my hand, hey, how you doing, you know, and all of a sudden things calm down. Right, it shifts it. Respond. Yeah. It can be the cue to respond and open up to this person and then they, they calm down and they, they allow to leave you alone or they're on your side. They're working with you. And it, oftentimes it's in business that they realize, oh, wait, we're going to be working together on this. And then things get you know, smoother. Also, something that uh, was pointed out to me, I know you heard the same thing too, is we live, and this is one thing that really helps me kind of get back on track once in a while, is that we live in this tremendous sea of thoughts and feelings all around us. Now, the more people we have around us, the more packed it becomes, but it's always around us. Because there are people, you know, sending their thoughts and picking up on their, their thoughts and possibly their emotions, you know, from a, a, quite a distance if they're thinking about us. I know my father, when I was younger, he was uh, quite sick. I would pick up on his his fears and all that stuff, and I learned eventually just to give him a call and he would calm down. And uh, things of that nature. But uh, that's the whole thing of spiritual responsibility as well, you could say. And what kind of influences we have around us, uh, what kind of things, you know, I watch on the television, listen to, uh, who I listen to. Um, One thing I wanted to, I don't know if I dare get into this too much, but in society (laughs) now. Go for it. We'll open the doorway here. Here What the hell? Uh, Yeah. 
Well, what the heaven, you know, you don't have to have, you can choose, you know. Um, that's it. Heaven and hell is like right here, right now, you know. And we can do that from breath to breath, you know, go back mm-hmm. and forth. Uh, out in uh, human society, we have organized things called governments that hope, uh, you know, keep us organized in different ways and all that. And different philosophies have come up where there's this feeling that the public responsibility is greater than personal responsibility and that it's the public responsibility to take care of people who, you know, don't have the opportunities or don't have the skills. And and so this whole kind of dependency, you know, uh, under society has, has, has been created. And the point is, what I see with that is that that really limits people spiritually. Uh, and there are people who do need a helping hand to get from point A to point B to get started again and get moving. I understand that. But then there are people who learn how to game the system and people who want them to game the system because it gives them job security to keep people, you know, <coughs> dependent. And right. that keeps going and, and more and more people get involved in that. Then all the dynamism and everything and the creativity of those people is just pretty much lost. They sit back and just become comfy and uh, kind of go round and round in circles, which brings up a whole other thing I wanted to talk about. Is there, in, in the universe, one thing somebody pointed out to me years ago and been seeing reflected ever since then is that there are like two main types of motion in the universe. One would be rotary motion. If you take your finger and just go round, around, circle, I go clockwise, and not go anywhere with it, go forward, and not going forward, just round, around circles, well, that's, that's rotary motion. You start moving forward with it like a spiral out from you, out forward, that's called propulsory motion. And the point is, rotary motion is like being comfy and being in the same place, doing the same thing. And maybe it's comfy with it being good and it feels okay, or it's comfy with it being a distraction, or it's comfy with things not being so good, but it's things that, you know, I'm, I'm used to and so I'm kind of afraid of going beyond them. And then there's propulsory, which is deciding to move forward. And it goes in cycles like that, around the circle like a spiral, because life moves in cycles. You know, like we have these cycles of inflow and outflow, how we breathe, how our heart beats and pushes the blood out and back in, and how we live a lifetime, we pass on, we come back around. There are all kinds of cycles we live through. And it's it's just kind of amazing to see this uh, exhibited all the way around us in society, that uh, that thing of choosing some kind of direction moving forward is that uh, propulsory motion to move forward. So how There's does another, somebody, uh, just let me, let me ask you a question sure. for on behalf of people who are listening. Mm-hmm. How does somebody figure out which motion they're in? Are they going round and round in a holding pattern, which would be the rotary motion, or are they mm-hmm. moving like up and out forward, which would be the propulsory? How do they, how do you tell when you're in a holding pattern or when you're moving forward. Because sometimes I talk to people often, you know, with life coaching and stuff, and and they'll say, I am moving forward. I am doing things. And from the outside I can see, no, you're going round and round and round and round and round and round and round. The pattern, you just create different different situations in the same pattern, yeah. right? But you're still moving round and round. So how does a person sort of figure out which one they're doing. Do you have a trick for that? Because I know this is something you've talked about for years. So mm-hmm. do you have a trick for figuring that out? Yeah, uh, probably several. <laughs> Let me think for a moment. Well, do share with uh, us because that's the whole, this whole yeah. show is about helping people get up and and enjoying their lives. So, And that's it. It's like uh, one of the indications is, is what I'm doing helping me? If, if do I know what it is I really want to be doing with my life? What's the, uh, I have a good idea of what that better life, if there's a better life I'd rather be living, you know, either with my health or work or relationships or all those things. How would I rather be happier? And uh, how can I build more happiness? And usually by doing the things that are fulfilling, that happiness is a natural part of it. It doesn't mean that happiness always comes easy. There's always work to be able to, you know, some effort to go out and do things. It just doesn't feel as uh, like it's 
you know, like it's work. So one indication is if I'm going around in circles and I feel like I'm working hard, I'm probably going around in circles. Now, sometimes I'm moving forward, and I know I'm working hard and I'm getting less sleep and all that stuff, but I know I have that feeling of inner fulfillment, that I know I'm moving towards something that is meaningful to me. So am I moving towards something that's meaningful to me, or am I just another day, another dollar, another doing the same thing, maybe a little bit different, and then I turn on the TV and and I get a little bit of distraction, a little bit of entertainment for a while, and then I go to sleep. Then I get up in the morning and I do the same thing all over again. And it's different shows, and the shows seem to make me happy, but they just are like a holding pattern we're talking about. And right. it's not that those holding, those holding patterns can be uh, uh, deceiving because a lot of them can feel quite good. You know, I get involved in watching television a lot or the you know, same kind of social events all over again and again and again, using up lots of time, but maybe not having, you know, pulling the time out to be able to do the things that would move me forward on creating you know, more of the life that I would rather have. Not that I can't watch TV or watch sports or go out with my friends or one thing or another, but it's understanding is that holding pattern really holding me back? Or right. is it just something I can do a little bit on the side here and there? And it's it seems easy, but sometimes it's it's, dece- it's deceiving. It really can be. And it can, the yeah. Thing of, rule of thumb is, you know, am I moving forward on what I feel I need to be doing? even just little bits at a time. And that's where sometimes the inner intellect fight comes in, where it's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Let's do this over here because I already know how to do that, you know. And right. I'll, I'll hear my <laughs> intellect kind of like You know, you cracked me up with the, like analysis, the analysis paralysis. I love that one. <laughs> I still use oh, that. Yeah. I still love that, analysis paralysis. And I'm just going to say out loud because I don't think you'll read it. I just accidentally <clears throat> sent you a text that was meant for spring. So when you get the oh, text, it okay. was not meant for you. <laughs> okay. No problem. <laughs> have too many things going on at once in my little home office here. So, uh, um, yeah, so I think that it's really important for people to get a handle on that, that being in a holding pattern or moving forward. And I think sometimes when when we're moving forward, we can feel like we're in a holding pattern. Because it seems like we're just doing the same thing over and over again. But sometimes if we've been in that pattern for so long, and it just seems like, you know, and for me, I watch I watch uh, some people in my family do this, and it's no matter how hard they work and work and work, and bam, they always get hit down again. They get to a certain point, and bam, they get hit down again. And so what's really happening is they've created that pattern to such a degree that they've got it so deep in their subconscious that the pattern is, you know, I'm in this holding pattern, so it can look whatever it, whatever it's going to look like, the scenery on the way, whatever it is I'm doing day to day may be different. But when I hit that one place, when I'm moving forward, I'm just starting to move forward, and I'm beginning to get happy, I'm supposed to fall down. <laughs> Something's supposed uh. to happen. And that is their holding pattern. And so I see a lot of people with that, but that totally fits that rotary motion because they'll do everything and they'll feel like they're moving forward and wow, they're feeling good and they're moving towards a goal, but they're still in that rotary motion, not propulsory because they, at the point when they would start to come up, like as you come around, if you visualize a, a spiral, right? As you come around and you start to spiral up, that's the point when they get knocked down. And it's strictly because that's what, on a, I think, on a cellular basis and a very subconscious basis, they've set themselves up for. So they don't ever actually have to move forward, which is a little scary because I don't know what that looks like. I've been in this holding pattern for so long now that I don't know what it looks like when I, to use the kids' terms, when I level up like they do in the video games, right? And so I try to actually talk to younger people in video game terms because, you know, okay, you're not afraid to level up in the video game. Yeah. Why are you afraid to level yeah. up in life? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just it's pretend like it's a video down, game. <laughs> kind of like going down a road of life and going down a highway, and you drive down a highway and, and it's feeling like, okay, I'm going to keep on going, you know, from Orlando to Boston, but you know, but then there are all these people inside the road. I got to stop and I got to help these people. One big distraction is, <clears throat> and I've fallen into this big time, is trying to save other people. And mm. instead of helping them to stand on their own, uh, I've had 
family members that I've gone way out on a limb for and gone bankrupt and and come away from that now. And it's like driving down that road, <clears throat> oh, there's someone who needs my help. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so i, I got to get off the road now. i got to pull over and I get involved in their situation. See, I can't get down the road because other people need me. I okay, I'm getting back on the road again. Oh, there's somebody else over there. And I know if I turn down that that uh, that side street right there, there's going to be somebody over there that needs me too. You know, it's like, and it's like my intellect is programmed to look for the next reason why not to move forward because our intellect almost has sort of like a little life of its own. And it wants to maintain what it knows is, you know, comfortable to it, what it, what it recognizes. And moving forward is giving it things to work on that are scary, that are risky, because they're different and they're new. And the thing is, you know, remembering that going ahead and risking to do something that's new that I choose to do is good. You know, it might be a little scary and might, you know, raise your blood pressure, might breathe a little harder the moment you start into it, but eventually it all smooths out as you get going. It's like learning how to get, you know, the choo-choo train going. At first, the momentum takes some effort, and it is a little bit scary. And so new things always are, and that's the way it is. Um, the point is recognizing that and being able to move beyond it. So, I don't know. I guess we can talk right. about that all day. But. Right. <laughs> so, and I think, too, one of the things I wanted to address while you were talking, too, is, you mm-hmm. know, um, a couple of times you've talked about the need to help other people, <clears throat> whether it's our need or whether it's our believing the government should, that kind of thing. And one of the things that I really learned when I was first uh, learning from you and, and the other people that, that were teaching me, in, you know, way back, way back when I was 25, or I guess it was 25 or so, um, you know, was, uh, was that helping people, because I was all about helping people, you know, little hippie chick that I was, which is fine. Hippie chicks are good. We like them. But um, Yay for I, have, I have, <laughs> right? I have shifted. There's definitely some, still some hippie chick left in this girl, but I have shifted the point of view in gaining the understanding from you all about when we feel the need to help other people, mm. we're basically saying, I think that I'm so much better than you. You can't, you can't possibly uh, do it. I'm going to have to come do it for you because I don't respect you oh, enough. Yeah or believe in you Mm -hmm. enough to think you can do it for yourself. And that was a huge lesson for me. I was blown away by Uh, that because I truly thought I was helping people, you know, and that's where my intention was. And I think that's where so many people, their intention is to to help. They just want to help. But when we get in, even the word, when you say it that way, even the word is kind of like, oh, it doesn't feel so good after, after all, you know. And uh, <clears throat> it's the hand up, sure, but the hand out, with a hand out, you're going, I, you're just not capable. And so because I'm so much better than you, I am capable, and so I'll do it for you because you couldn't possibly. And yeah. what kind of help is that? <clears throat> and that really is how it comes across to people on an unconscious or subconscious level. So when, mm. you know, I hear people all the time talk about, you know, people getting comfy on welfare or comfy on this or comfy on that. And I understand what you're saying about how you could be comfy in in not being happy because you know it, right? You know, At least I know what this is, right? But, yeah. but it's not a comfy feeling in a lot of cases. No. In a lot of cases, it's extremely uncomfortable because as they're sitting there relying on the government, they have zero control over their life. They are completely yeah. at the mercy of other people who don't even know them. And so how how good can it feel? How much self-confidence can they be gaining? How much? And again, if it's a hand up instead of a hand out, that's fine. But we do tend to, in our society, create this situation where we're always wanting to help people, right? And so they're, because that makes us feel better, that makes us feel something and so there have to be people who need to be helped and so it's almost like we create this situation where people are in need so that we can fulfill our need to help and feel superior and not that everybody who helps is in that category but i'd say probably a good 85 90 percent of them without knowing it it's not a conscious thing i don't think Mm -hmm. 
but it's really no, no, important no. for people to look at because as you're helping other people, like you said, as you go along the road of life and you're stopping and you're helping everybody, where are you getting on your path? Right. What is that doing exactly. for you? And it's not to be selfish. It's that you, with every person you help, and you know this, I, I know this, we know this painfully so, with every person that you stop to help, you're giving away your resources without any, not giving any energy to something coming back in. And so then well, you just like deplete one... yourself, and that's not keeping your spiritual responsibility strong because then you're one who's in need, right? Exactly. It's like in counseling, uh, what I learned in my training and over the years with it, again and again, is that, you know, they're, uh, I'm not responsible for this person's happiness, but what my job is is to help them clarify their situation so they can get insight about what to move forward on or how to move forward. And usually they come up with insights that are nothing like I even could think of, <laughs> but it works for them. And I'm just amazed, sometimes completely blown away, you know. And one thing I realized is the more I got into, and part of the, the price of becoming, you know, realizing that you know, I'm a spiritual being and, and being more, you know, dealt in using my spiritual power, spirituality, is understanding how to give up judgmentalism and that whole culture that we have that's out there of greater than, lesser than. There are people who feel that they're greater than other people. It's like, oh, well, yes, you know, you're a good person, but I'm I'm smarter than you, and so I'll take care of you. And, you know, or, or maybe it's well-meaning, oh, you're so, uh, you're so helpless, I'll, I'll take care of you because I can do it, you can't. And then there are people who get the feeling of that they're lesser than, that they're victims. I, I'm a victim. People have done this to me. I'm on the bottom. I can't do anything for myself. You've got to come save me. You owe me a living. And then there are people who realize they can gain that system. That's when it gets really, I think, dangerous. And there are people who are the do-gooders who want to help people. Then there's a level above them who are do-gooders but also realize there's a lot of control and manipulation there for their power. And so there are people who manipulate that. I I often call that (laughs) the, the, the booty call for the needy and the greedy. (laughs) <laughs> That's <And> awesome. <laughs> some people don't like to hear that one but you know and the point is uh, for spiritually when I look at it is this kind of like uh, the guy that you and I worked with this Francisco Cole many years ago he was one of the people who helped me understand it's kind of like it's kind of like 50-50 you know we do our when you work with somebody you can do your part to help them to be able to stand on their own then they have to do their part to move forward with it or else right. it just gets to where they get into the the rotary motion of depending upon and hanging off of you. And uh, it doesn't help them to move forward. And then it begins to weigh us down, the more people we have hanging off of us. And right. so it's helping to set our, our those people free. It's like you have two sons. I have one daughter and grandkids. And, you know, when we have our children, do we keep them dependent upon us? Oh, you poor little thing. Oh, I'm going to tie your shoes, wipe your little bottom. You just, you just, you're just a little baby. What if we just, I know you're 22. what if we did the, oh, you can't now. walk, I'll carry you, I'll just carry you. Yeah. I mean, I like to use that How analogy. You carry you know? <laughs> right? You know, and then they're, they're Look, 25 and you're still, what, picking yeah. them up and carrying them? I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, a good visual, but it's frighteningly on, on track. I do want to say and that, the, you know, there are there are some people with similar names out there, and so I'm just going to say that the, the person we oh. studied with, just to give him due credit, is who was a phenomenal teacher, yeah. but he did pass away in 1999, and uh, yeah. so so he's no longer around, So just so there's no confusion. Um, right. So uh, i just like to clarify that. So anyway, um, yeah, so I think, you know, it's kind of like you create those uh, sort of, I call them, spiritual vampires or psychic vampires or energy yeah. vampires, you know, and I think Without we really, really can. And then we get mad at the person. We get mad at yeah. them for draining Hang us, and they get us. mad at us yeah. because we, we're we keeping them from being strong and whole. And, and so it's just a bad situation in the making. Not to say that, not to say that you can't help people, but what, you know, what I found and what you all taught me along the way was, that helping a person is helping them see 
how much they have within themselves and how mm. strong they really are and just maybe creating exactly. the space for them to do it themselves. And usually well, in least, doing that, it also gives you some sort of opportunity. Or at least if they have opportunities available to them, maybe you can point out, here's one thing, just very quickly, uh, my mother, well, both my parents are alcoholics. My mother was an alcoholic for 35 years, and I'd had counseling training and all that, and I came back to up, up to Chicago where they lived, oh, many years ago, and I wasn't going to, I, it was for Christmas, I was going to come up on New Year's, and I got this instant feeling from my guidance, get up there now. So it was the day before Christmas, and I got up there, I think just on Christmas Day, and uh, I found out that my mother was at this point where she was really nervous. My father was very ill, and he was at home, but he had come out of surgery, and and she was you know, at this point where she was looking maybe for a little help. And it's kind of like somebody who's swimming underwater and they come up for air. you got to catch them at that point. And I got there, and I walked in, and, uh, of course, she wanted me to go out to her car and unbury it from the snow and get a great big bottle of wine out there for her. And she said, okay, there you go, Robert. Do that. And I said, Mom, you know who I am and what I do. And uh, the bottle is out there if you really want it. There's a, there's a broom over there. You can go and sweep off the car. I'm not going to judge you. You know, you go ahead and have that bottle if you want. She got all angry. She went out and got it and came in. And five or six times over the next three or four days, it got to be where I'd come down in the morning, my father would still be up asleep, and she'd be down there and guzzling down one beer after another, still strapped in with the plastic, you know, the, the beer cans come in. Oh, wow. And sitting there in front of me, and I, and I wasn't judging. I knew, don't judge, I, I didn't have anything to judge her for. I just right. looked at her, and I just said, hey, Mom, uh, do you like this? And she, and she had like a kitchen towel up around her chin because she was guzzling and... And she said, no, this is hell. This is hell. And I said, oh, well, if you want hell to end, uh, there's this program that, you know, your your cousin uh, went through, close cousin of hers, and, you know, they do three things for you. I went through it each time as she was playing dumb. You know what those three things are? Oh, oh no. Well, they give you a little, uh, some kind of a medicine. It's like methadone for alcoholics. It takes away the feeling of the addiction, you know, wanting to drink. They give you good food and, you know, and vitamins and all that stuff help you start feeling better and getting healthier. And then you have people to talk to to figure out how you got here and how you don't ever have to come back if you don't want. How about that? Oh, well, maybe, maybe you have to go to the holiday. Oh, okay, fine. And then finally we get to be where it was in the evening. And it was the same thing in the kitchen. She's guzzling down some wine and out of sight of my father, of course. And so I just said, well... She looked over at me and said, you think I'm an alcoholic, don't you? And I said, well, I just know that what you're doing isn't good for your physical body. And, you know, she got up and she started to walk out. And how things just sort of pop out of your mouth. It just popped out of my mouth and said, and you know, if you don't take care of that physical body, the good Lord will take it away from you. Her word, that's how she talks. It just popped right out of my mouth. And there's that moment she looked at me and her eyes hit mine. And I knew it's like the meaning had gotten in. There's that deer in the headlights instant. Right. And everything got get easier after that. The next day she couldn't get the wash machine going. And so, you know, it was, uh, I helped her get that going. And she came up and said, oh, you gotta, you got to take me to that place. I, I can't, there's no kind of life anymore. And she made that decision. Because finally, the fear of trying out the risk of that new thing that would help her move forward was far less than the pain of her situation. And so she went and she pulled out of it and she spent the last 11 years of her life at peace. But that right. was her decision. Bingo. And so <clears throat> when we go back to the, we have about 15 minutes left. So when we go back to the topic of, of spiritual responsibility and spiritual freedom, how they kind of go hand in hand, where was your spiritual responsibility and and freedom in that situation. So was it in mm. one listening and taking action on the insight you got to go when you got the insight to go? Was that a part of it? Yeah, <clears throat> that was part of it. And also 
remembering from my counseling training that I'm not there to change her. I'm not there to change her mind. I can help clarify, help her to clarify her situation and maybe point towards something that might help her to move forward. <clears throat> and then her responsibility was either say yes or no to that and move forward. And that was a big, big, you know, uh, change for her that she was able to do that. And it's not about changing people. Like I'm, I'm saying, it's my responsibility is to help people to help themselves, help people to be able to stand on their own, like helping my child learn how to walk. One of the, you know, helping my child learn how to ride a bicycle. That, that took a year. We finally got that straight. She had a little <laughs> trouble with that at first. But when she got it, well, we couldn't get her off that thing. You know, you know how it works. Right. And right. But I didn't make her do that. I helped her to get up there and steady her to where she could get the feeling of being steady on her own, and then she was off on her own. So there's understanding that. And uh, I think the people in the government, there are a lot of people don't understand that. They feel that it has to be a lifetime thing instead of uh, a stopgap to be able to get on to learning new skills because we all learn skills, learning how to walk, learning how to talk, learning how to ride that bicycle. Learning how to take responsibility is also a skill. That it's okay. It's going to be it risky. Really is. We can take yeah. the responsibility to move forward. That is a skill, and it's one that uh, hopefully we get from our parents. If we don't, then that's part of the maturity process of learning that skill of personal responsibility, which is spiritual responsibility. Because it's my responsibility to get with my guidance and to get myself, you know, centered and cleansed, and be able to get calm again, to be able to tune back into my true feelings instead of lost in my intellect and my the fears and my emotions. That's my personal responsibility. No one can do that for me. And when you follow that that personal responsibility, you gain spiritual freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for it people who are looking for spiritual freedom, it's it's not something that you know, you don't walk into a building on Sunday or Saturday or whenever you walk in and hand over the responsibility to somebody else. Okay, I showed up, now you do everything else. You know, you give me the rules and regulations and I'll come every Sunday and and we'll just hang out together once a week and mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's an ongoing thing and it's taking responsibility for ourselves and our own energetic being or spiritual being or you know, are you putting all kinds of garbage in there? Are you putting things of the light or of the dark if you want to get into that aspect mm. of things? Or are you are you taking responsibility? And it's not that you we have to be perfect and and walk this very tight line because then also we're moving into judgment, you know? And so mm. it's not that you can't enjoy life. As a matter of fact, enjoying life is a big part of keeping your energy nice and clear, I think. But oh, yeah, it's how do you enjoy life? It's the, yeah. Aligning yourself with those higher vibration things so that um so that it's more of a light hearted feeling, I think, you know. And I think as we each do that, we not only gain our spiritual freedom, but we help other people begin to find theirs. Because exactly. we're walking our talk or we're even if we're not talking it, we're walking the walk. And it doesn't even matter if you're talking about it or not. People see it and people begin to see that, oh, you know what? They don't have the I fall down at the same point in this cycle every time. They kind of just keep going. And, yeah, maybe they fall down, but like that little bopper thing, they come right back up and they Mm -hmm. keep on moving. And it doesn't stop them. Yeah, Yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing we can do um, as we gain our, our spiritual freedom but I think that, you know, you brought up a good point when you talk about the spirit, the spiritual responsibility because it is up to us to uh, to mind our own business. I think, you know, minding our own business is a big yeah. part of it, not being judgmental, not getting into what somebody else is doing. What does it matter to you? You know, there was a conversation yesterday with the people I was with, and they were talking about a long-known rock band, okay, and they were talking about how one of the people is got to be seventy now, and and he's still performing, and you know he's got to he's got to be on heroin, you know, and uh, he's yeah. got to still be doing heroin, and and the a couple of us there were just like, well, this guy was really upset about it, like who care? I mean, not who cares, but 
if it's working for him and he's happy and he's not hurting anybody else, I, and first of all, we don't know that he's on heroin. <laughs> we don't know If you've anything. ever dealt with people on heroin, they don't last very long. They don't he's last until he's 70. He's still going. You know? Like, I don't know. He's talking about, you know, he heard that he, he went off stage and he came back all bright and perky. And I said, well, that could be B12 shots. There could be a doctor out there with B12. Who knows, you know? We don't, don't know, know anything. And so, but but regardless, why does it matter? A little ginseng, yeah. You know, <laughs> what, what is it to us whether he's he's doing that or not? So it's that losing that judgmental part. That is his responsibility and his life and his path to experience. And it's really not anything. Why why are we spending our time talking about this? You know? That's another <laughs> holding pattern. Is the judgmentalism <laughs> is another big holding pattern in society that's easy to get into. Uh, judging right. people who are different, uh, who think differently, or whatever, and uh, a big, 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 you know, just I kind think of a distraction. Of I think it is. It's a huge distraction. It really yeah. can be. And uh, so, now we're judging those people who are judging. <laughs> well, no, definitely not. No. But I'm but just kidding. kind of shining the light of truth on it. Well, so we have true. about nine minutes left. Just under nine minutes. So is there anything that you would like to sort of see? An hour goes by fast, doesn't it? Wow. We've been all over the place. So is there anything that you would like to just kind of toss out there as a as a something people can do to help um, to help them in some way, whether it be figuring out whether they're helping in a healthy manner or not, their spiritual freedom, their spiritual responsibility? What would you like to leave with? And then we'll do our little meditation and... Um, hmm. Well, kind of there any your parting words of wisdom. One little thing is, uh, instead of all the issues we've been talking about, is one little practice is remember that when I refocus myself as body, mind, and spirit together, it's like I'll take do some deep breathing and then add some positive affirmations that are heading me towards you know what I want and. Uh, be able to do some kind of, you know, visualization to, or uh, with my hands, you know, to cleanse and smooth out the energy of my aura. When you put all those three together, it becomes a lot easier to calm down and focus. And then that responsibility of coming up with and listening to those inner solutions is a whole lot easier just by doing simple things like that. And those things become a habit and a part of our spiritual practice. And it's having a healthy, spiritual, simple spiritual practice to be able to tune back into things. And then it's a lot easier to talk about all the responsibility issues. We just right. tune back into who we really are. Yeah. I think that centering is uh, is probably the most powerful thing people can do. And and it mm. can be done in just a minute or two, if you know, once you've yeah. practiced at it. So. All right. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to go ahead and and do the little meditation and um excellent. And uh then we will see people back here tomorrow. I do want to just real briefly let you know before we do the meditation and sign off that uh you can find me at Sacred Light of Sedona. That's where I work through in Sedona. So there's sacredlightofsedona.com and uh then there's also my websites mysticaltruth.com and 12weekcoaching.com. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> you hear my dogs in the background. Obviously, I'm working from home. So uh, you can find me in those yeah. places. And uh, you can also email me here or find me on Facebook, Truth Light, or The Mystical Truth on Facebook. So I hope that everybody will join us tomorrow. And uh, also, I want to um, give a give a shameless plug to our former sponsors of The Mystic Place because uh, we still love their products. And uh, we're just doing this for free because I believe in them. So that's holisticnaturalsco.com. Uh, Eat Conscious and Be Merry is the cookbook. And the supplements are amazing. The moringa I'm living off of. It's amazing. So holisticnaturalsco.com. All right. All of those plugs are done. Now we're going to go ahead and do our nice centering for the day to get you guys moving and grooving in a great space. And uh, so we're just going to ask that you relax and close your eyes. And uh, if you're driving, do this on the archives, not in person. And so we're going to just breathe nice and deeply, some nice breaths in and out. And with every breath, 
we feel that beautiful light from the highest heavens. So it can be from the universe, from God, wherever you perceive the highest vibration being. And we just see this beautiful light moving through us. And it, it sort of comes in through our the top of our head and just moves down along the spinal column where our chakras sort of reside. And so we see this this light moving through this prism that resides within us and just shining these beautiful blues and reds and oranges and all these fantastic colors just beaming out of us. And with each breath in and each breath out, they become clearer and they become more calm. They feel alive, more vibrant. And we see this beautiful light shining around us about about three feet around us now and it's almost like a spotlight from the heavens just shining right around us and these beautiful colors emitting from us and we just feel them pulsating a bit like our heartbeat now and and they combine with that beautiful white light and we see this light move all around the environment that we're in. We see it move through our home, our business, our automobiles. We see it through all the different places we go in life. It's just sort of wandering about through the the places and people that we'll meet. And we see it move throughout the whole area that we live in. We see it expand throughout our country and then begin to move around the world. And we see it cleansing and balancing those water molecules through the ocean and all of the water in, on, and around Mother Earth. We just see it bringing those molecules of water back to harmony and balance, clarity, and love. And as we move this light around the earth, we feel love and compassion, just love and compassion. And then anyone who desires to pick up on that can, and anyone who doesn't will just miss the opportunity. And we bring this light back to the United States, And what I'd like to do is see this light very gently, almost a beautiful blue, a light blue, cooling, calming energy. And I'd like to see that energy just moving around the areas through Arizona and Colorado, all the different areas with the wildfires, and especially focusing on the wildfire in northern Arizona. And just allowing this calm, cooling light to ease Mother Earth to ease the people who are working with her. And we want to send a little burst of love, a little extra energy to the families and friends, the people affected by the the firemen that we lost this week. And we just want to send a little extra love there and allowing those souls to move out in peace and grace. And then we bring our energy back to our home, back to the space that we're in right now, And we feel it move back within that that little circle that was around us. And we just feel all that love and compassion that was brought along with us as we journeyed around the earth. And we allow that to come into our heart and move through our system. And again, align us with that beautiful connection out to the heavens. And we see this, what they call the the silver cord, is just that It's almost like the umbilical cord that ties us to our true home. And so this energy is just moving through it like the nutrients move through the umbilical cord to the baby. This is our umbilical cord to the universe. And so we see this energy moving back and forth again with that heartbeat motion. We allow it to cruise through us and remind us of who we truly are, allow our light to shine brightly, Take a nice, deep breath. Exhale. And when you're ready, knowing that you're centered and ready to move forward for the day, open your eyes. And I hope that was uh, enjoyable for everyone. I hope this was a nice centering exercise for you for the day. We have just a minute left. I want to thank Robert for joining us and uh, his words of wisdom, as always. And I want... I want to remind people to uh, really go through your day and and become aware of you and how you interact in the world and become more aware of the other people in your life and what you choose to make of that. Every day is an opportunity. Every moment is an opportunity. And becoming more aware of who we are, mind, body, and spirit, 
these three different, very different lives that we have interacting with one another is, is really part of why we're here. So enjoy your day. I hope everybody will join us again tomorrow. And uh, I guess that's it. Thank you, Robert, for being with us. All right. So everybody have a wonderful day. And uh, look for us on Facebook and email me here if you have ideas for topics. Have a great day.